Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. In this episode, we're talking to Mohammed Yassin. He's the VP of Marketing at High Alpha, a venture studio that conceives, launches, and scales next-gen technology companies. Mohammed has won multiple national marketing awards and is recognized by the Indianapolis Business Journal as one of Indy's 40 under 40. He's bringing his recognized expertise to today's episode that you don't want to miss to talk about leading your content strategy with Creative First. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks for free at demandjump.com today. And now here are your co-hosts, Drew Detzler and Ryan Brock. Welcome back to Page One or Bust. This is Drew Detzler, your co-host, VP of Marketing at Demand Jump. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Brock, Chief Solution Officer at Demand Jump. Yep. Today's show is a little different. Believe it or not, we usually do a little prep going into these things. But today... <laughs> Doesn't feel like it. Today, we have thrown out the script because we're actually talking with someone we know here. In fact, Ryan, I'll go ahead and let you introduce our guest. Yeah, I'm here talking about SEO and content and organic everything. And I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for the gentleman we have on the podcast here. He was my first client, my first customer, and the first guy I ever really connected with to learn about the world of marketing because I didn't know what I was doing at all. And then within like six months, we said, hey, let's write a book because that we all of a sudden I went from knowing nothing to knowing everything, right? Don't look it up. Don't read it. It's old. And <laughs> But it was a really fun experience. And I'm so thrilled to welcome the vice president of marketing at High Alpha, Mr. Mohammed Yassin. How are you, Ma? I am doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. It's exciting to talk to you today. The, the, the fact that we go so far back, it just gives me the confidence that we didn't need prep for today's call. We're just going to let the conversation go. I think it's going to be a good I mean, one. We've been prepping for 10 years, right? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been a long time coming and we've seen a lot of it together, which is why I'm excited for this conversation. So Drew, why don't you get us started here and then we'll dive into the free form part. Beautiful. Mohammed, welcome to Page One or Bus. Before we jump in and let you and Ryan just get at it. Let's go ahead and introduce you to the audience. So t- tell us a little bit about the scope of your role at High Alpha and, and what High Alpha is doing. High Alpha is a venture studio company, which is, and we were the first one in the world. Basically, we what we do is we create concepts for B2B SaaS companies. We validate those, we launch those, and we invest in them. Um, so we've been doing this for about seven or eight years now, have launched about 30 plus companies, and we are really, really, really good at standing these up. So I'm the VP of marketing here. My scope of my role really is two parts, right? One steward of the high alpha brand itself, but also my team is responsible for standing up the branding of these new organizations. And we're a very design first organization. So that's everything, you know, let's say design with a big D, right? So everything from what is your name to what is your positioning, your messaging, what's your tone, all the way down to the actual visual identity of that brand. I've, you know, Ryan and I have been friends for a long time. One thing he knows about me is that I am very operationally focused. So the product is important to me. But I also have a design background and I fully believe that the packaging is is just as important as what's in the box. Style and substance, right? Absolutely. That's great. So how did you all first meet? It sounds like it was about 10 years ago. You became a client of his or did you know each other before that? 
We did not. So yeah, it was probably 10, 10 plus years ago. At that time, I was a semi-new to Indianapolis. I worked for an e-commerce insurance company here in town. You know, content marketing was huge, huge, huge for us. We were in the travel medical insurance space. Lots of stories to be told around the use of the product, but also around travel itself and really enabling those customers and educating them. And we needed good content. And one of the things I'm, I'm really passionate about from a, from a content perspective is storytelling. Right. I think there's a big difference between marketing copy and storytelling. Right. And in a marketing space, the storytelling is far more important. And I was lucky enough to, you know, to meet Ryan, who is super passionate about the storytelling aspect. Right. And brought him in as a basically freelance uh, content producer and got a really long run there at that organization and its subsequent places that I've worked at as well. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been amazing. But I, the, the reason I think that our relationship worked really well was that not only was he creating content that was really around telling the story very well, but also did a great job of collecting, you know, a group of uh, amazing writers that were doing the same. So that was, that was incredibly valuable to me. Well, we used to talk about that all the time, right? Mohammed? like, I don't know anybody in marketing who like their degree is in marketing or very, very few, a lot of people studying mm -hmm. a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, and yep. you know, it's all about how you engage with human beings and tell stories. And that was the business model for Metonymy Media. That's why I started my agency. It was like, give me people who have willingly thrown away three to four years of their life to learn how to write a really good story. <laughs> <laughs> They've studied creative writing and English and storytelling, and they have an ability to write in voices that aren't their own, come other people, like really quickly research and find authoritative sources and all of that stuff. It, it translates to somebody who, as long as you give them like their guardrails, these are the things you need to worry about. You're going to be fine. And the thing about those things, those guardrails is they change every 10 minutes anyway. Like I'm thinking of Muhammad back to when we got started. Right. Like, do you remember what it was like when you said, okay, guys, we've got an SEO blogging project for you. Here's a spreadsheet of 120 years different keywords and you're going to write an article for each one and each article needs to use this keyword 10 times and you know and it's not I, I couldn't imagine doing that today no i think the entire world has changed and it's changed for the better right like it's interesting that you that you mentioned kind of the approach that i took then 10 years ago it was here's a spreadsheet here's some content out and i look at it completely different now a decade later right now i always start the writers out with what's the compelling story write the story I'm not giving you the keywords, write the story, right? And then we're going to come back and we're going to layer in the keywords. Interesting. It is, it is completely, I think, flipped on its head because what's more important than anything, the algorithms are going to change constantly. But what is going to be consistently of value is engaging content. Yeah. The yeah. technical pieces can be bolted on afterwards. I think I've evolved in my perspective, just, as, just the same as you have, but the way that we operate and the way we think about content at Demand Jump is like our platform is we're looking at the actual network of search behavior around a topic, we're not building a keyword list. We're not even thinking about mm -hmm, these are the keywords mm -hmm. we're going to use. There is a step of that in the writing process, but for our writers, it's more, all right, if I'm going to write an article that says like, what is a venture studio? I could take that article in 50 different directions, but if I can look at all of the different things that people commonly search after they search for that question, I can learn what they're not finding, but they wish they found in the content that's already there on page one. And that helps me as a writer with the storytelling part, because I'm going to choose to only focus on the elements of that story and what I need to say and what I need
to tell that reflect what people are actually asking about and what they care about. Whether you're you're leading with the story first or you're leading with your audience's needs and questions first, it's the same. It's it's there's data-driven approaches to yes. storytelling. There's data I mean, we have data for everything. It doesn't have to be just about checking boxes and saying, I crammed a bunch of keywords into my article. Absolutely. We have been in this space long enough to still have the traumatic scars of like the panda update huh. with Google, right? <laughs> like yeah. we learned a lot the fallout in content marketing marketing from that massive Google update, which was done rightfully to be right. Fair, like right, it was totally, totally the right thing to do. hundred percent. It was the right thing to do. But I think it taught us a lot about chasing algorithms versus engaging with human beings. Yep. Right. I definitely lean analytical. That's for sure. But I love what Muhammad said. And we talked about it recently. Marketing, if you can't talk to humans, if you can't write to humans, you can have all the SEO, you have all the technical background in the world. But if you can't write for a human, you're screwed. It's not going to get anywhere. It's going to be a technical manual. So I ask you, Muhammad, how do you squash that voice in your head that's like, is this going to drive revenue? Is this going to drive traffic? Is this going to drive revenue? Because mm-hmm. that's it's always back well, there. It is always back there. And that is the, I mean, that if you don't get to that, nothing nothing else honestly matters, right? If you're a marketer. I, I would say that my approach and how I, how I do this, I have found success recently in splitting my teams up into the analytics and the creatives. I give the creatives first pass, right? This is the story we need to tell. Go tell the story. And then you bring the analytical in to adjust that story that's told to fit whatever the current needs are algorithmically, right? But I let that be done separately. That way the creative can can do a great job doing what they do best without the constraints of, I mean, yeah. the box that you put them in is just, this is the story that needs to be told and this is the outcome that I need, right? Go do your thing. Yep. And then you bring the analytical in to go ahead and make it technically sound. I don't think it's not an either or. It's just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, more of a matter of what order we go in, right? Previously, what would happen was you bring the analytical in first, they build the keyword list, they give it to the creative. But what I found over the years is that actually results in a, a poor outcome of content for that creative because they're like stuck in this little like mental box, not not being their best self. You need both, right? I'm not. I'm certainly not, not advocating f- to ignore everything algorithmically. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the story has to come first and then second, you, you, you bring in the algorithm. The other reason I say that as well is because you know we have to worry about like content refreshes as well, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You could have a great piece of content, but what if the algorithm like changes? If your entire piece of content was based on the algorithm and not the story, then your your piece of content's basically screwed at that point, right? Yeah. But if you told the story right and then you layered in the technical aspects, you can come back and change those technical aspects later to make that piece relevant to the algorithm again. Yeah, it's just fascinating to think about the way that all of us work and how different we are. Because when I want to write something just for myself sitting down at a blank page is the hardest thing in the world having that like free reign do do like tell the story as you want to tell it like i can think about the story all day long when it comes to writing it it's very tough for me but if i put myself into any kind of a any kind of a restriction any kind of a a structure suddenly i could flow like crazy so i've always been Mm -hmm. fascinated and i'm not counterpointing you at all muhammad i'm just saying like i think there's different ways to go at the same thing with like totally if if you put me in a structure i might create real art that I wouldn't have created otherwise. We should A-B test it. Muhammad, have you tested it? Well, yeah, you said you had, right? So you, 
you had the analytics. Yeah, you know, I fully believe in the idea of A-B testing. A-B testing, multivariate testing, like that's where you find the, the, you know, the final outcome. Goes back to what I was saying, right, is I like to let the creatives lead, but then I like to hand off to the analytic. They're going to do the, you know, the A-B testing, the multivariate testing. They're going to, you know, make sure that it's technically sound and they're going to keep it up to up, up to date. The, the combination of both yeah. of those, I think, is important. We talk a lot about in marketing it being as much of an art as it is a science. And I don't I don't know that either one of them is more important, right? I think the, the most valuable thing is when you have the connection of both of those things and they're both valued equally. I love it. Okay, I'm going to take this in a little bit of a different direction and, and ask about some of your expertise at High Alpha, Muhammad. You're working with seeds of companies. You know, you're working with companies in the ideation phase and, in, 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 you know, seed level. When does SEO yeah. first get mentioned for them? Is it immediately? When does it come into play? You know, let me back up a little bit into like the concept of high high alpha and the concept of a venture studio, right, yep. as a whole. Because I think people understand venture capital, which is you know, basically going out there, finding companies that make sense, investing in those organizations, et cetera. You know, high alpha kind of pioneered a whole different model. We talk about how we conceive, launch, and scale you know, B2B SaaS companies, but I find it helpful to kind of talk about like, what that, what does that look like? Yeah, right? absolutely. So we have, you know, kind of a, a team inside of the organization that we call Concept Lab. It's about 10 people cross-discipline across the organization, go to market, marketing, et cetera, right? And we meet weekly. And the purpose of that meeting is, is a couple of pieces. One, we are bringing up problem statements, Right. So in, and they're, they're, they're in themes, right? So let's say sustainability, disruption of consulting, those sorts of things. Right. And we're saying, okay, this is a problem. And then we're discussing, do we, do we agree that this is like a big issue, something that a software company could, you know, insert itself in to solve that problem? So there's like 10 of those that are coming out every week for those that make it through someone championing that idea and maybe turning it into, you know, a three slide kind of deck. And in that, we're talking about actually what this, what could the solution be, right? So we believe a business could exist to solve this problem mm. and it could look like this, yep. right? We've also got design in at that point where they're maybe mocking up a screen or two about what that product could look like, right? And then we're bringing that back to the meeting and, and pitching that in like maybe a five minute pitch. This is the problem state. And then we're discussing that and we're saying, all right, well, yes or no, right? And then we're taking that every month into a kind of four hour heads down team thing think maybe three ideas you know, a month make it into into that. And the purpose of that is more validation, more screens, more like really deep diving in. We're making calls out, talking to people in the industry, et cetera, and doing a full-blown like maybe like 15-minute pitch for each of those three ideas. Then every quarter, I'd say one to three of those ideas made it make it into sprint week, which is a shut the entire company down. We go full bore on three concepts for four days straight and really dig down into it. So, you know, think hundreds of validation calls, really digging into what the product could look like. What is the go-to-market strategy for that, right? It's really a lot of people on those teams across company. I mean, we're about 50-ish or so people, entire companies involved in this dedicated to you know, three ideas, okay. basically. Okay. And we pitch at the end of the week and we're saying, all right, well, what, based on what we see right now, is this something that we feel like we could invest in because the problem statement's strong, the solution feels good as well. And then we go find a founder. Yep. So we're continually like engaging with the marketplace, finding people who could be future founders or repeat founders, and we're attaching them to that idea. And then High Alpha is funding that business for like a starter capital. Yep. So the concept of Venture Studio isn't just that we're like finding companies and founders and saying, here's some money we're going to invest in you. We're literally developing the ideas 
finding founders to attach that idea founder fit, funding those companies and really helping them, branding them, developing them, helping with their go-to-market. We're doing a lot of their backend for HR and finance and all that stuff. So they can focus in on creating the best possible product yep. and go into market with that, right? So that's really kind of the high alpha as a whole does. And we've done a really, really good job of, of that, right? We've launched 33 companies so far, multiple exits for those companies at this point. And, you know, really proud to say 75%-ish or so of, of startups fail, right? In the yep. tech space, we've got, I think, 33 to 36 companies so far. And there's only been two that have gone over or gone under so far in that's eight amazing. years. And that's, that's a huge so, accomplishment. Among those Right. So one of the things we wrestle with sometimes when it comes to SEOs in particular, which I think will, you know, help us start to dig, dig into what Drew was asking about is like, how many of those would you say, what percentage of them are, are bringing something so innovative to the market that like a target audience wouldn't even know how to search for it in the first place? Cause that's something that we run into pretty often. Is that something yeah. that you deal with? You know, we do deal with it. We like to go into spaces where the problem is really well defined. Now, I would say from a go to market perspective, sometimes it's an SEO play, right? But we very much believe in kind of like founder-led selling and how we can engage that founder to really reach out, especially in the end of the beginning, how they can do outreach. So that could be, you know, we have a business right now that we just launched where Instagram marketing is working incredibly well for driving leads for them, right? And that's kind of a new space that our go-to-market team has been has been playing in. There's also another business that event marketing is the best one for them, Right. And then I can think of another kind of Web3 business that we that we just launched where webinars and podcasts and which is honestly, there's an SEO right. component yeah, to that 100%. as well, right, is 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 the best lead generation source for them. So it really depends on, I think, the audience of the organization and business. I firmly believe that you go to where your customer is and engage them there. And SEO is that same thing, right? So if they're searching for the solution on Google, Bing, et cetera, SEO is going to be incredibly important, right? But if they're not searching there and they're going to trade shows, et cetera, then the content and the way you write that content is going to be different because it's something you're going to hand deliver to that person, right? What would you say? I might like, we, we really lean into organic for, uh, you know, inbound is a really good lead source, but like, can you talk a little bit about our mix and like the quality of leads we get from different sources? Because we see the same thing. Yeah, certainly. Quality yeah. quality will differ between all channels. Uh, roughly 50% of our inbound marketing is from organic search. So events are important for us. This podcast is important for us. <laughs> Webinars and, and everything that you mentioned there. But one thing that you said there really stuck out that we talk about a lot is, you know, talk to them where they are, get them where they are. And I would argue that they're all on Google. They're all, they're all, <laughs> they're all on search at some point in the day. So, so getting in front of them there is, is always important. Absolutely. And the, the, the problems and pains, I think, is from a SEO perspective, I think is important to kind of talk about there as well, right? It's so one of the businesses or industries that I was in prior to coming here to High Alpha was in the apartment industry. They're called the multifamily industry. They are traditionally, they find solutions through talking to their friends that are in the industry, through going to trade shows, et cetera. And that was a little bit of a struggle because they do not search for their solutions, right? They're not saying yeah. like for website conversion. They are not on Google doing it. They are picking up the phone and calling their friend and being like, how do you make more people convert on your website? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what they're doing. However, what you can do is if you go like up funnel or down funnel, you can find those areas where they are doing some sorts of searches, right? Some of that might be branded searches. There was a lot of branded searches actually in that industry because you would do brand marketing, they'd find you and then they'd Google you. 
right? So there was an oh, wow. SEO component yeah, there. It's so weird to think um, that like brand would be the most right? branded terms would be the most important to focus on, but that makes a lot of sense. It was it was weird and odd, but it was yeah. just unique yeah. to that particular industry. And then there also would be, you know, they might be like they they might be like actually searching for things that are related to their job, right? So that was another thing that would it may not be directly the product we're offering, right? But if we know it's their correct target audience. So if you can find what they are searching for and get in front of them there and then introduce them to their product, it's a little bit of a longer cycle, right? But I think it's one that you really have to be conscious of by industry. And it was just, for them, they were very, they're very old school. They were just really getting into, you know, the tech space, et cetera. It's probably going to be completely different in five, 10 years, right? But at that time in their, like, the development... <laughs> Yep. That's how you had to go after them, right? You talk about community engagement and, you know, tips for how to, you know, get your whatever, right? Yep. Um, and that was a matter of like doing physical research and actually going out there and talking to people and saying, okay, like when you're on Google, I know you use Google. You have to use it for your job, right? Like you're, this isn't, you know, 99, right? But what are <laughs> yeah. you searching for? What are you searching for? Because when I look at the keywords that make sense to me, I don't see any traffic volume. Right. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we've experienced this so many times, but one of the, one of the stories I talk about frequently is, is an innovator in the sales forecasting space. And it's the same thing where, you know, we'll look at our, our data, which, you know, helps us get around that whole guessing at what makes sense thing and just seeing around a given topic, like let's say sales forecasting, what are people actually talking about? And like Excel branded keywords are everywhere. They're everywhere throughout this because so many people in sales forecasting or sales teams, especially for like manufacturing companies and these like old school, like, you know, like widget product companies, they're, they're just out there using mm -hmm. spreadsheets and they're, they're, they're Googling, how do I make a better sales forecast in Excel? And it's like, we, we, we realized it's, it's the second approach that you talked about. It's like, okay, if we want to start redirecting people to our solution, we have to start talking about Microsoft Excel in our content. And I mean, we beat Microsoft yep. along yep. the way to page one, position one. But the point is, if you're actually giving the, the right content, you can beat anybody. You can do anything. It's a matter of like really focusing on what does your absolutely. customer need right now. Well, it's yeah. back to meeting them where they are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to ask one more question before we get to our lightning round mm -hmm. to, to get your take from a creative standpoint and, and your expertise and, and go to market strategy. So oftentimes marketers have budgets of less than a million dollars, sometimes significantly less, you know, at the seed round. Absolutely. How do we as marketing leaders convince leadership to you know, gamble on content on something that is instant gratification like a paid search? What a great question. Wow. I think I take offense to the word gamble to start with. Love that. Love that. <laughs> well, that, that's true meeting that's true meeting a ceo we, where he is or where she is right like that's they they see it as a gamble. we did yeah. not tell him to say that that was that was that was that was a, a saucy take there so you know i i when it comes down to it the outcome of results is the most important thing right seo content creation digital marketing strategy does not have to be a gamble and it does not have to be presented as a gamble and i definitely take a front to marketers who present it in that format. We have decades, decades of data behind us showing what results are, what comps are, what how to project these sorts of things, how to do the research to get yourself in the right space. If you are presenting this to a CEO as we're going to do this as a gamble and see what it tries, there's always experiments. Experiments are like core to, to, to marketing as well. But there are you doing experiments to get to an outcome, right? And if you are very clear about what that outcome is and you're being very intentional about how you're getting there, it is not a gamble. It's Ooh. a given, 
that one liner is just that is that is the perfect <laughs> period of the end of this wonderful conversation. So come at us, bros, if you're yeah. if you don't see the value in content, because <laughs> you're gonna rile us up. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right. Mohammed, before we let you go, let's have some fun with with our lightning round. I'll just rattle off a few questions. Let's go. What's the last thing you searched? Oh, wow. That is a saucy question as well. Yeah. First, first you got to remember it. Then you got to decide <laughs> if it's worth saying out loud. Yeah, I do. Oh, if you're going to say it or not. <laughs> I do. Let's see. Let's go ahead and look into my search here. Pull it up on the other screen over here. I really hope it's like where to get a, a banana split or something. <laughs> no, I know where to get that. That's across the street. It's it's delicious. No, my most recent search, and this is very timely. We're we are we are recording this on uh, November 9th. Uh, my most recent search was the local news station, so I could check on the results of the yeah. House and Senate races. Yeah, I think yep. that's true for me too. Actually, yeah, yeah, same. That's probably a lot of a lot of people if they think back when they listen. Remember to this, when we didn't know everybody. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> I'm going I'm to throw an extra one in there. So that's my, my last Google search. But I would also point out that SEO and search goes past Google. And we also need to be thinking about things like Instagram and TikTok and all those sorts of things as well. So my last, agree. right? It's this the present, yep. Ryan. It's the yep. present. My most recent searches outside of that was just a TikTok search trying to find the, mo the most recent trending sounds so that I could create some new content for the cats. I meant to do a whole gag I where I, I pretended that the first question we ask every guest is, well, how do you feel about hairless cats? For those who, Muhammad, well, let me ask the question, Muhammad. how do you feel about hairless cats? I am obsessed with my two, what we call skinfants. So we have two, <laughs> we have two Sphinx cats. They are, they are our babies for sure, but they're also, I think, a creative project for us as well. And it does require a lot of, you know, SEO research, you know, also they are, you know, I'd say many influencers on, on TikTok and on Instagram, they've got about 18,000 thousand followers on TikTok and, you know, just under like seven on Instagram, they are paid by both of those uh, networks to create content. And it is a job and it is one that also requires a lot of research into, you know, hashtags or right. the keywords of, exactly. <laughs> you know, of, of the social world, world. But we put a lot of, a lot of work into that from a creative outlet doesn't make a ton, but it makes my wife and I happy and it pays for their food. I, I've, I've oh, asked I my it. dog to earn her keep so many times. I can't even tell you. So that's really <laughs> that. I mean, that's the dream right there. And then she just sits back and barks during our podcast recordings. Unbelievable. Oh my God. She's contributing. <laughs> All right, Muhammad, over the course of your career, have you been able to bust any marketing myths? Ooh, it's a tough one. Maybe pick one, man. So I wouldn't say marketing myths, but I would say myths inside of organizations. One of the things I'm incredibly proud about in my prior career is a campaign that I did in the insurance space that was around the zombie apocalypse. Got a lot of great coverage, you know, across across a lot of a lot of really yeah. cool places. But that was one where when we first brought it up organizationally. I mean, the compliance team was like, absolutely not. There's no such thing as zombies. And why would we do that as an insurance company? Yep. But it drove a huge amount of traffic to our website that was incredibly valuable for us in the spaces that we we needed it to be and drove a lot of a lot of a lot of business. And you know, it, I, I, I'm all about going around rules, I'm kind of a little bit of a rule breaker. And if I find the find the pivot to make it happen, apparently with with the compliance team, all I need to do is put a little disclaimer down at the bottom that says there's no such thing as a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's no zombies. Come on. It's 
Lawyers, we all get it. Amazing. I love that. That's awesome. All right, Muhammad, last one. What is your best prediction for SEO trends in 2023? Mm, Authenticity is everything. Yeah. Right? Authenticity is everything. That is incredibly, incredibly important. Figure out your voice, figure out your story and your audience write directly to engage them, make sure you understand what the, you know, the algorithmic trends are and connect the creatives and the analytics, make a great team. Like I said before, marketing SEO is a team sport. It's not a one or the other. And both of those, both of those sides of the brains are incredibly important. That's what I'm seeing. I'd say going forward, lean into that story, do it right. And you're going to succeed. Authentic advice from an authentic man. Muhammad, this has been so uh, delightful. It's been a pleasure. All of the really impactful things that we've discussed today. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. It's, it's nice to be back on the mic with you and, and Drew as well, kind of chopping it up. It's amazing. Beautiful. Thanks, Muhammad. That was fun for me. I hope it was fun for our audience. Drew, you know, VP of marketing, what, what did you take away from this? Like, are you walking away with a different perspective on anything that Muhammad had to talk about? A little bit. A perspective I already had, but it's, it's great to hear it cemented from another VP of marketing. You call it out. I'm an analytical-led marketer, right? So the thing that, that stuck out and to me was lead with creative, bring analytics in secondary. Lead with creative, tell that story, connect with humans. Something that we talk about here a, a lot. But it's it's nice to hear from someone else. Well, it's funny because like I think about the way that you and I work together, like you are the VP of marketing. I am a marketer who happens to be another executive on our team. Right. Yep. Like we work together on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think the magic happens setting aside SEO, because like when we do our pillar based marketing content, we really do start with the with what what does the data tell us our audience wants? To me, that's not very different from like Muhammad saying, this is our desired outcome, right? It's like, where are we meeting someone? So I think we're completely aligned with them there. But then when you think about like the webinars we do or like, you know, the the different creative stuff that we work on, that's that's a little bit different. That's more of like, we're not worried about being found by an algorithm. I get to come to you with my wild, crazy ideas and (laughs) you get to be like, that's that's great or that's stupid or whatever. And like, I think like that balance, we see it all the time when we work together. And I think it's just so important to not let one side just steamroll the other. That's what I'm taking away. Totally. Completely agree. Bad news for you, Ryan, is this This does mean that I forever will be able to say, hey, Ryan, why don't you take the first stab at this thing? Oh, I'll try to remember that next time I have a headache and <laughs> you put something on me. That's it for this episode of Page One or Bust. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Know the exact content to create to increase first page rankings and drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started for free today at demandjump.com.